You're listening to No Excuses, the show that helps subscription companies build and grow their business through direct and honest feedback. On the road to success, there are no excuses. And now for your host, the chairman of SUPTA, Chris George. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of No Excuses with Chris G. I'm your host, Chris George. Our team went out there and they looked in our different Facebook groups and our Slack channels and saw people that had submitted questions that I'll be able to answer. Uh, these are questions that may be things that you would have liked to have asked me or have thought of about for your business. Here's a chance for me to look at some of those great questions and give you my insights and strategies regarding them. And if you have something that pops up, a question that pops up while you're watching the episode, please feel free to drop that question in the comments and I will try to get to it. So we're gonna go ahead and get right into it with the first question that had come in in one of our Facebook groups. And that first question was, what are different strategies to deploy in an effort to retain your subscribers for longer? So what I love about this question is it's focused on retention, right? And I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of subscription companies are doing is they've got all this focus on acquisition and they're not focusing on retaining the customer. The retention department should be just as big as the acquisition department. One of the best pieces of advice I can give you is having proactive retention. And what I mean by that is looking at indicators that might tell you when somebody is going to potentially cancel. The common answer and the obvious answer is enhance the customer experience, stay engaged with the consumer. That's going to help retain customers. But what I love love the most is a strategy to get in front of a customer before they potentially go to cancel. And what that is, is identifying when there might be a problem and then addressing it before they go to cancel. One of the easiest ways to do that is to survey your customers monthly. And if you're a subscription box or have some sort of service, sending them a survey, asking them to rate that that month's box or rate the service that month. Based on what the consumer selects should be a trigger to your team in regards to reaching out to somebody that might not be happy. Um, I've talked about this in the past and I'm going to say it again uh, because I love this strategy. But when I sent out the survey, I like to have three um, emojis on there. One's a happy face, one's a, you know, an average face, like the straight line, and one's a sad face. If anybody clicks the average face or the sad face, it immediately triggers a notification to your customer service team. We want to find out why they selected one of those. Have the customer service reach out. Say, hey, we're so sorry to see that you weren't happy with this month's box. You know, how can we help make this experience better for you? This is allowing you to get ahead of the curve. On top of that, those that select the smiley face, those that are happy with service or product, you want to use that to your advantage to let the, you know, let the world know that they were happy, right? So if somebody clicks a smiley face, they take the survey, it immediately takes them over to a Facebook post or takes them to a review page for them to leave a review, a public review of your product um, to your website and or on social media. You're taking full advantage of those that love the product and having them promote your product. On the other side, you're taking the people that weren't as happy, were either sad or, or had an average experience and you're addressing that experience to get in front of them, make, make good with them, and, and um, make it so that you can retain that consumer. And, and, and then at the end of the day, you're helping retain the customer for a longer time. That's the best strategy that I put in place for retaining customers for longer. Next question we have, and this was from our Subscriptionpreneurs Facebook group. So if you're not in that group, you should definitely check it out. Lots of great um, networking that's going on in there. Lots of good engagement with our members. 
Um, they said, what's good ROI per box? After all expenses related, after all expenses related to each box, product, packaging, shipping, trying to figure out pricing, and currently it's about $13. So, you know, ideally, a really good healthy subscription is at like a 40 to 50% margin. So if they're selling their bo- if their subscription's $30 a month, you don't want to spend more than $15 to $18 shipped with the products in there and shipped to the consumer. Ideally, if you're starting out, so those of you that might be watching that are early stage, your margin is going to be less, right? You might be at a 20, 25% margin. What's going to happen is over time, the number is going to scale. You're going to buy more boxes or more materials. As you buy things at scale, the price gets reducted. As you start shipping more at scale, the price gets reducted. The products that go into the box, you start buying those at scale, the price gets reduced. So, you know, really good rule of thumb is about 40 to 50%. I remember with our brand, the gentleman's box, we had we were at like a 15% margin in the beginning, and then it went all the way down to the point where we we're at like 55%. So over time that'll grow, but keeping it that 40 to 50% is a really good point and builds in enough profit for you to grow the business. Third question we got, uh, again, was from our Facebook group. It says, what do you do when tra- the tracking status for a box shows it was delivered, um, but not to the correct address? What are next steps? Do you send the customer another box? So this happened to all of us, and it'll happen multiple times. Now, in this question, they're saying, what do you do when the tracking says for the box shows it was delivered? So the customer is saying they didn't get it. Um, If the shipping company delivered to the wrong address, the shipping company would handle the situation, and you would ship the customer another one. But if if the right address was there, the consumer says, I didn't get it, but it shows delivered. This is going to happen again multiple times. The truth is, um, the first step we do is say, hey, could you check with anybody else in the home to see if they'd gotten the package or potentially check with one of your neighbors? That's step one. Um, step two is depending on who's doing your final mile of delivery, in a lot of cases like USPS, we, we ask them if they can check with their local post office to see if they have the package there. Things like this happen. Um, in general, our, the shipping providers are really good and they get the products to your door, but there are cases where products get lost or packages get lost or they get delivered to the neighbors. First thing we do is ask them to check those outlets first. And if the customer still says, I don't have it, then my recommendation is you do send them another box. Now, what you just have to be careful of is anybody that's sort of taking advantage of that system. So if you start to notice that there's a pattern, that somebody every couple months says they didn't get it and it's the same person, well, then we know we've got a problem. We either add signature to delivery with that consumer um, or we don't ship to that consumer anymore. Um, I don't I try to avoid that scenario where you tell a customer that they no longer can be a member. But if somebody's taking advantage of your system and trying to get free product from you, then they shouldn't be a member at all. But that's that's the steps I would take first and just track for anybody that's sort of taking advantage of those situations. Most people don't, but the scenario does happen. And unfortunately, if the package gets lost, but it shows delivered, um, you file a claim with post office or FedEx or UPS, whoever, whoever may be shipping with you and reship the customer a new box. Um, now we're on the fourth question that's come up, and this is a question where I'm going to be able to give a little bit, you know, back to the experience of me having a subscription box. So the question is knowing what you know now, what advice would you give someone who's starting out a subscription box service? I think this is a great question. I think probably now it's been harder to, to start a subscription versus let's say three, four, five, six, seven years ago. One being that there are so many now, which is great. 
But just because a subscription box is already out there doesn't mean you still can't build your own. The greatest piece of advice I could give is I'm going to give it in two parts. You know, I think that building a subscription around a replenishable product is always great. I love those models where it's depleting, like Dollar Shave Club, right? The razor gets dull. They need a new razor. It might be a uh, it's a subscription where by the end of 30 days or end of the quarter, the customer will need more of that item. It's depleting. The customer is building a lifestyle around your product being in their life. They need to get this every month to take care of whatever need that that product might take care of. On the subscription box space, when I'm thinking more curated products, so where there's a discovered delight element around it. I'm a big proponent. So if I were to start off now, I would probably be building a subscription around a quarterly subscription. I love the quarterly subscription model. I, I I would have loved to have started Gentleman's Box that way. We started monthly and then pivoted to quarterly. With Discover Delight, and you can see a lot of the really good brands like Fat Fit Fun. They're, they're, they're one of the leaders in the space. They're a quarterly subscription. They do very, very well. I think with quarterly subscriptions, you avoid customers getting too much product so they're get, they don't have the product fatigue. It also allows you to charge a higher price point and put higher quality items in there. Having a higher price point also leads to you getting a higher quality consumer, one with more discretionary income. So if I was starting on a new subscription box business, I would probably build a quarterly model and I would put it at a higher price point and have higher quality items in there, build an amazing customer experience, identify a way to engage with the customer throughout that quarter. And also, not for anything, building out four boxes a year is much easier than building out 12. And on top of that, you've got three months to sell out. When you've got a monthly subscription box, you're like every single month, you left over with some inventory, you're consistently trying to curate a box and get ahead of the curve. It's, it's a lot harder. And a quarterly subscription allows you to really take your time, build an amazing box, ship it to them quarterly, give you three months to sell out, and uh, build an amazing experience for the consumer. By the way, any questions that come in on any of the things I've already stated, please feel free to drop them into the comments, and uh, we'll make sure they get up on the screen. Uh, last question we've got here is how do we cut cost on shipping? Right now, we're printing labels and shipping boxes for our own warehouse for $9 to $10 a label. Would, would using a distribution company lower cost significantly? We're doing about 250 k a year in shipping. So looking at what you've just sent me, that means you're probably shipping anywhere from 2,000 to 2,500 packages per month. One thing to keep in mind with, with shipping is... Um, Again, as you scale, that number should get lower. Ways to reduce on shipping are one, can you build a box that weighs less? Can you build a box that's smaller? Um, sometimes what you have to do is sort of put a policy around your, your subscription, meaning we can never be way more than three pounds. I don't care what wants to go in there. The policy is three pounds is the limit, or it's two pounds, or it's one pound, or it's four pounds. Maybe there's a way. If you've got, a, if you're building, if your subscription right now, some months is one pound, some months is one and a half, some months is three, some months is four. Can you sort of identify a weight that can fit that model, and you can build an amazing box around it? Working with the distribution center could cut costs significantly. They're shipping out hundreds of thousands of boxes a month, so they're therefore they're probably getting a better shipping rate than you are. You might actually identify that they can actually fulfill and ship your product cheaper than you can just than you just shipping it 
So now you've eliminated the whole fulfillment part out of your business, which allows you to focus on really growing your business, focus on acquisition, focus on the customer experience, focus on retention. I think also, too, just shopping around. There's multiple, multiple brands, I'm sorry, suppliers for shipping. And of course, if you're at Sub Summit, you're going to see them all there. But, you know, really start to talk to a lot of them and negotiate with them. There are several shipping providers, sh several last mile providers um, that you should be reach out to. And if you go to, if you reach out to Subton, you're a premium member, we can help do some of those introductions for you. And again, like I said, if you're at SubSummit, they're going to be all there in the exhibit hall. That gives you a really good opportunity to talk to every, which, every one of them, show them what you're shipping, how many you're shipping a month, and try to negotiate a really good deal. And on top of that, the fulfillment centers are going to be there as well. But talking to fulfillment centers, like I said, they're shipping in high volume. They're more than likely getting a better rate than you are. And they might be able to fulfill and ship your product for cheaper than you are shipping it. I would take your current shipping cost, add in your current fulfillment cost, get that total, and see if you can get that over to a fulfillment center potentially to handle that for you and save you significant dollars, not just on the COGS, but allow you to focus on things that are, are really, really well. Um, fulfillment's a thing that is, is a really good part of this industry that you can outsource that, that can really be a big benefit to your business. So I encourage you to, to really check with a lot of these fulfillment centers and shipping providers and see if you can negotiate a really good price and move that operation to that potentially. Um, not sure if any questions come in. Bradley, did any questions drop in? Comments? No? Um, for those of you that are watching, if you watch this later on, because I know this is recorded and a question pops up, feel free to still drop it in the comments. Um, I can either address it on my next AMA or I'll try to chime in there and comment and give you a really good response. I want to thank all of you for watching. Um, quick reminder, Cube Awards applications are nominations are open. So if you're in the space, make sure you go and apply for the 2022 Sub-Summit Cube Awards. They're going to be live June 2nd in Orlando, Florida. It is the biggest event in direct-to-consumer subscriptions. It's an amazing uh, part of the conference. It's the most, uh, most attended part of the conference. Really good party as well afterwards. So please make sure you nominate your brand. Um, so we can get you up there for one of the Cube Award nominations. And I hope to see all of you live in Orlando for the Cube Awards and at the event. Thank you guys so much. Have an amazing week. Thank you for listening to No Excuses with Chris George. If you like this show and found it valuable, please subscribe and share. See you next time. And remember, on the road to success, there are no excuses.